Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided to them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. He began to be in want. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, saying to him, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned against heaven before thee and him. No more worthy to be called thy son. You know, when you read this story, we understand the application. We understand Christ was addressing here uh, the Pharisees, the hypocrisy. We'll mention that here in just a few minutes. But there's, there's much to be learned here in this story. Really, the basis of the problem is ingratitude, unthankfulness, have you ever seen someone that really had almost everything going for them in life except their spirit? And you look at the story and you think, you had everything in your favor. Okay, you had a very doting father with a lot of money. Okay, how many of you in here have enough money to have servants? No one. So he was on a different level than anyone in here. How many of you feel like you can be happy with the money you have right now? The house you have, the money, you'd be pretty happy right now. He had it better off financially than you do and yet could not be happy. Let me ask you this, young man. How many of you could go up to your dad today and say, Dad, you know what? I want my inheritance now. I know you haven't died. I know this usually takes place after a dad is dead. But I would like for you to just kind of calculate and give me what is my due portion now. And your dad would stop his life, do the calculations, sell whatever is necessary, take out of his bank account, and hand you the money you demand and say, good luck, son, I hope you invest well. Anybody here? Now, let me ask you this. He had a lot of things in his favor because literally, we don't know where mama was in the story, but uh, just about everything a young man could want, including a future and a career back when careers seemed to be very different in that day. But you know what he didn't have? A good spirit. Now why? Here's, here's what he thought. If, if my circumstances changed and my job changed and my schedule changed and my house changed and he made a list of things that would have to change in life for him to be happy... So he changed them. He dictated the changes. Yes or no? He literally took his inheritance, went down the road and said, I'm going to make my life exactly what I want it to be. And from there, it only got more miserable. Why? Because happiness is a choice you've got to make based on thankfulness and gratitude, and without any thankfulness in your heart, you're going to be a miserable person no matter how much God has given to you. The lack of thankfulness is a recipe for an absolute disaster. We know, keep your finger here, just as a reminder, we've got to go to Romans and remind ourselves. 
the disaster that ingratitude creates in life. What did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 3? He said, in the last days, what? Perilous. We're living in perilous times. You know why you're not letting your uh, daughters uh, hang out in front of Randall's? It used to be one of the safest places on the planet. You tell them not even use the bathrooms. We're living in perilous times. You know why you struggle to go to bed at night when your college-aged daughter is getting off work at 10 and driving home in the dark? Because we're living in perilous times. Right? What did he say in that list? What was the great peril of the day? A lot of it boiled back down to what? Unthankfulness. Look what it says, Romans 1 21. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they what? Thankful. What happened after this? Verse 28 Even as they did not like to retain God their knowledge, he gave them over to reprobate my. Verse 29 Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. The list of sins is absolutely despicable, but where did it start? Ingratitude. Now let me ask you this. Where did all of this, this young man that we find in Luke 15, where did his sins start? We don't know what he did in the far country. There were accusations. We can't sort through what was truth or not truth. We do know this. There were bad things that happened because he left a good spot filled with a heart of ingratitude. Now, We know that gratitude could have changed all that. But tonight, Mark, would you do me a favor? Bring me those two chairs uh, and that metal chair as well. I'm going to ask Brother Dave Dilworth and uh, the boys, Mason, Justin, Wesson. Can you you guys come up here for just a moment? We're going to use a little visual. I don't do this often, but I feel like tonight is very appropriate. Uh, Put that... Pastor Mark, let's put that right here. Brother Dave, if you'll come sit right here. Mason, if you'll sit right here. Wes, you got it. You're the smartest one of the bunch. You knew exactly what chair you were supposed to be sitting in. Now, here's my question tonight. Are you mature enough to be grateful? Now, here's our goal in life. This chair represents... A heart filled with gratitude. This chair over here is the baby step, the K5. The this is just trying to get someone thankful. This is a parent telling, yeah, you need to tell your mom, thank you for that meal. Uh, you, you need to tell your teacher, you need to take them this gift, write a little card, let them know that you're thankful. Now, here's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to make them grateful. That's a destination that's for the mature. But what we can do is take the initial steps of thankfulness. Now, Wes, can I have you stand up for just a moment? Uh, Dave, can you come here for just a second and take a seat right there? Now, let me ask you this. How strange does that look? Isn't it strange? Isn't it strange in life that we find people that should be at a different stage of life reacting with great gratitude? It's obnoxious behavior when you find an adult 
whose life is all about griping or complaining. And when he talks to you, he's got to tell you about the bad news of the day or the bad moment of his week or why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? And you just say, is there a reason you're at that spot in life at your age? You should have at least moved a chair or two. You should have at least grown up a little bit. Now, when this prodigal left home, he should have been way beyond this point. He grew up in a good home. And yet, left, fled the goodness of God in his life through a heart that was angry because of ingratitude. Now, you know why there are prodigals in our churches and Christian homes? The same root reason. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. It's ingratitude. Now, hold on. This story is about... uh, I'm going to have you go back to maturity. You feel more comfortable over there, Wes. I'm going to have you sit back over here. Now, here's the danger in this story. We see that Christ is addressing the hypocrisy of this crowd. And young people, there's nothing more dangerous than being in a Christian environment and going through the motions and serving on the farm and being filled with ingratitude because you're going to become guaranteed a hypocrite. Hypocrisy is founded in ingratitude. I'm going to serve God, but at the end of the day, I'm not happy about my environment. Now, church, we want to be very basic. And I understand sometimes it sounds, seems like these truths are too basic, but we're not living them. I wish all of us had reached the point of maturity. There's times in my own life I say, Adam, why, why would you think that way? Why is it today that you can't be thankful for everything that God has given to you? Now we understand that very first step is simply in, in the Bible. We're talking about just getting thankful that, that doesn't mean your heart understands it. It doesn't mean your mind is processing it. Now, here's ingratitude. Ingratitude is a failure to meditate upon everything that God has done for you in your life. Don't expect that to happen to a six-year-old or a seven-year-old. His mind can barely figure out four plus four and eight plus eight. So there's logical progression that has to take place. Occasionally, when you see this, here's what's astounding. Can I get you to stand up for a Mason and stand behind chair? Occasionally, when you see a young child in this stage, rare, it catches your attention. But heartfelt, not just to thank you, I see it in thank you cards. I get thank you cards often from the young people. There's a wide variety of thank you cards. There are some you can tell they're well on their way to becoming very grateful. You can tell by the thoughtfulness in the writing of that thank you card. And you say they are accelerated way beyond their class. Usually when these come, they come in groups, age groups. 
But I have noticed over the past couple months, we have four or five kids in the Christian school who are way accelerated in the process. And we have others, Mason, can I get you to sit here, who are way behind the curve. And it's not that hard to identify. Now, here's, we all can identify this. We all can identify that one in high school who is ungrateful, still not even learned yet to be thankful. We know what's going to happen at graduation. We already know. They're prodigal in their heart and mind. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. I'm thankful for their salvation. I'm grateful for the sacrifice of authority around them. I'm thankful for the Christian environment that God has given to them. I'm thankful for all of these things. And at 18, as soon as that diploma is in their hand, I'm racing out the door because I'm not happy with the circumstances that I am in. Your circumstances are not going to change your attitude. Your choice is going to change your attitude and gratitude will change your attitude. Are, are you guys following me tonight? So my question is, where are you in this journey? Where are your children in this journey? And don't you think it would be appropriate, at least age appropriate, to be in the right spot in the maturing process? Let me ask you this. How many of you are uncomfortable? And I don't want to put, uh, Dave, I'm going to move you around again. Mason, trade spots with your dad. Now, imagine Dave in his 50s, 60s, 70s. And can't be thankful for where God has him right now in life. Unthankful in his marriage, unthankful in his job, unthankful in his finances. Now, there are a few acts here in the auditorium tonight. You want to take a good look at that. It's a bad picture. It's a bad look. And let me tell you a secret. More than one person notices The only difference between the 18-year-old prodigal and the older person in life that has become very disgruntled with their circumstances, the prodigal is crazy enough to run. Has the energy to run. But the agent sits in their chair and says, if I could move, I would. If I could leave this marriage, I certainly would like to, if I could get out of this circumstance. Okay, I'm not looking for many amens tonight. Mason, help your dad. He's going to hurt his knees sitting in that, that spot. Here's, here's the journey. When, when we're first getting started, you know, Wes Mason looks uncomfortable there. <laughs> Can you imagine me sitting in that? Yeah. I'd pull a hammy trying to get out of there. He knows it's the truth. Now, 
if, if we start at this age and simply get them to repeat, hey, go tell your mother, thank you for the meal. Go tell your mom, thank you for folding your clothes. Uh, take this to the teacher and let them know you're thankful that they come every day and put up with you for seven, eight hours at a time. Because even I wouldn't do that, says mom. <laughs> and then you move a little bit further down the road and you ask them, so what are you thankful for about your mother? Make sure you tell her today. Go give her a hug. And then you see at some stage they're doing, what are you doing, Mason? I'm writing a thank you note. Why do you want me to buy that uh, chocolate, those chocolate-covered pretzels? Because that's what my teacher likes. And I want to make sure that I tell them thank you. Do you see the natural progression that is supposed to be taking place? Because at the end of the day, maturity is someone, a dealer is a great example, as someone who literally is expressing gratitude constantly through serving and helping and texts and phone calls and gifts and cards and a million other ways. But when, when you have this, Mason, I'm going to switch. How, how many of you have seen someone that's a little bit further ahead than where they should be and you still, it still makes you smile? And you still bring that to someone and say, did, did you see that young person? Did you see what that young teenager did? Did you hear them? They didn't, everyone else, six teens walked through. Two didn't even say thank you. Two didn't even look at them and just said, thank you. One of them turned around and said, hey, thank you very much for opening the door. I appreciate that. You see in something that simple a progression that is leading them to a destination. And if they reach adulthood and still don't understand what gratitude is. Now, here's the problem. Ingratitude is so destructive because it leads you to abandon the good things that God has given you because you felt to meditate on those things. This boy never sat down and said, okay, I'm going to leave a house where I don't pay rent. A job that's guaranteed and I can make mistakes and what's dad going to do? Fire me? Three meals a day. Servants that take care of all the hard jobs. I mean, what am I lacking in life? A guaranteed inheritance. So there was no mental process going on. First Thessalonians 5.18. In, what's it say? Everything... Give thanks. The question is, are you mature enough? Are you mature enough in everything? That's, listen, God wouldn't have to command it if it came naturally. Go, go with me to Ephesians 5.20 because it gets trickier. Ephesians 5.20. Give thanks. What? Always for all things. Now, this is maturity. So, Wes, swap places again. Let's get everybody back in their right chair so Mason can feel good for a second. <coughs> Let's start with the adults. I'm sitting on the tarmac. I've just arrived to connect, get my connecting flight. I've got 42 minutes at the Atlanta airport. They always put me at one end and I've got to run to the other end. So I know if everything is perfect and I run like a mad dog, I can be the last one to make my flight. I've done it dozens of times. And 10 out of 12, I made my flight. But today, we're already 50 minutes late. 
and they won't actually move the plane into the terminal. And as I watch the seconds and minutes tick away, I can see in the distance my plane. Now, what's the command? In everything, always, for everything. Now I get to choose a chair. You know what a mature Christian does? Thank you, Lord, that I just missed my flight. You see, that sounds ridiculous. It's biblical. I'm so thankful that I don't know. My wife for years said, babe, what lesson is it that you haven't learned yet? Why do we keep going through this? I don't want to travel with you. Would you listen to me? I don't want to be in the same airport as you. I don't want to be in the same state as you when you're traveling. She would drop me off and say, I'll keep my phone and I'll just go to Starbucks and wait to hear back from you. Babe, you're so pessimistic. Now, folks, I'm so thankful years ago, I got the point where I said, okay, now I have stuff to study and I have phone calls made, and I've got a million things to do. And if I get to do it in an airport, if I get to do it at my desk, what's the difference? I can still buy a coffee and have a good time. Now, isn't it a shame that your pastor wasn't always sitting in that chair at an airport? Sometimes he was sitting in the red one. <laughs> Here's what's crazy, okay? In everything, always, for everything. I'm not a speeder. If you are, I have no problem with my dad was a crazy speeder. I I just don't, I don't know why, I just don't speed. So I'm going out the road and people fly by me. Some of you fly by me. (laughs) Faith flies by me. I can leave the house 10 minutes before Faith and she still beats me to church. She's good though. I don't mind people that fly by me, but the ones that fly by me and then they pull in front of me and slow down, then I got to choose a chair. Boy, that red chair looks comfortable at times. <laughs> Guys, if, if we would get this, it might help us just a little bit. If God put this in scripture, it's because we have trouble with it and our life, no matter what the complications are, can really be pleasant when we decide which chair we're sitting in and say, I want to be growing where this chair is no longer. I want to get to a place in my life where this chair is not even an option. Uh, on, on Thursday of our missions conference, folks, Ben might be the only one that knows, I may have had the most physically, emotionally, spiritual, spiritually stressful 24-hour period that I've had in years. And I'm supposed to be hosting a missions conference, swinging out to a wedding and talking to a group that's coming to look at the college and I've got to get up on a platform for a couple of hours and not let anyone know about anything that is taking place in the Adam Thompson world. And you know what I have to do? Pick a chair. Because if I don't pick the right one, guess what's going to happen? Everyone's going to know that I can't give thanks always in all things. You know, it's amazing what God can put in order when you just sit in the right chair. It's amazing. Now what, Mason, switch chairs with Wes for a second. Can you imagine the first grade teacher walks into class and says, it's you again? So at what point, at what stage are you guys following me? I wonder what God has to do when he looks at it and says, why are you back in the red chair? Here's why this prodigal ended up in the world. Because 
All doesn't matter what good God gave him. I can't be happy with that. I need something else. In the maturity that takes place, swap places with him again, Wes. Now, I hate to review, but I think this is a good time to review. Go back with us to Luke chapter 15 for a minute. Verse 13, when you are ungrateful, here's what happens. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, and he did what? He took his journey. You know what ingratitude does? It gets you to abandon the good that God has given you, and you end up in a far country, and you do what? You waste. You know how many people have wasted the opportunity to be in a good church? Wasted the opportunity of a good marriage? Wasted the opportunity of a good job? Wasted the opportunity? Whatever it was that God had blessed them with through ingratitude, they couldn't see the blessing of it. Now, young people, here's what you need to do. You need to take time to meditate. This, this will lead you in the process to maturity when you can actually process the good that God has given you, identify it, and then make sure to express gratitude. Okay, birth. We don't believe in luck. God smiled on you just at birth. Okay, you had nothing to do with that. I've traveled around the world. You weren't born in Malawi. You weren't born in Nicaragua. We're from war zones to extreme poverty to hunger and starvation to communism. If there are 195 countries out there, what kept you from being born in Guyana or Ghana or Eritrea or North Korea? So in North Korea, you wake up, you put on the same green uniform as everyone else. You go to the big mural. You pray to Kim Jong-un or Kim Il-young, whichever mural you're closest to. And then you go to work in the fields. You come back to government concrete house, government rice, and a government mat. And if you dissent, you get to go to a government labor camp. That's your life until death. They didn't, not, not one of those kids chose that. Not, some of you that gone over the Philippines and you've seen the squalors and not, not, no kid chose that. Nicaragua, we went out so on Monday morning and there's 45 church members there. I said, how do you get 45 of your church members to show up? This a new church plant. I said, how'd they get off work? He said, they don't have work. No one has to get off work. They don't have it. You know why they're coming to Saul winning? Because we feed them lunch after they Saul win and they have a meal. What kept you from being born into that, Timothy? So you ought to wake up every day instead of saying, oh, I can't believe the elections. Oh, I can't believe the disaster our country is. Stop repeating what adults say and say, thank God I was born right here because there's potential for disaster around every corner. But at this moment, I got it pretty good. The same ones that are telling you about how awful it is are carrying around a Starbucks cup and driving around in a $35,000 truck mm-hmm, with $100 shoes. Amen. Amen. You've got to meditate. And if you're going to get to the spot where you achieve what you need to, biblically giving thanks always in everything for all things, 
That's the destination. It doesn't happen in a single step. Parents, we can't take our kids in five-step process and get them from here to there. But we can get them to begin to use their brains and say, look where you're at. And if they've never taken a trip, you live in a day and age where at the touch of a button, you can open up their eyes and say, this is the way the rest of the world lives. And you are blessed. And you have a church. Do you know how many people would like to go to church? They can't. They would like a Bible-believing church? They can't. You know how many independent fundamental Baptist churches in the United States of America are in hospice? Spiritual hospice. They're one event away or one leader away from totally dying. And people go to those churches and they sit in that environment and say, what am I doing in this place? It's deader than a doornail. But they don't have any choice. They'd have to travel hours to get to a different circumstance. You know how many pastors have Saturday soul winning? And it's him and his family. Why not have a vacation Bible school? There's no one to help with a vacation Bible school. The pastor would lose his mind trying to pull it off or bankrupt the church trying to bring someone in. Guess what? You get to go to Christian school and your parents aren't paying $600 per child. So you actually get to go to Christian school and come home to a mom and dad because they're not working 60, 70 hours a week trying to keep you in that Christian school environment. They're not kids in the school fornicating and smoking and blaspheming the name of God. Parents, if we want this one to end up in that spot in life, we get two choices here. You can rear a prodigal, you can rear a monster in a perfect environment by not taking him through the process from thankfulness. Now, what is thankfulness? That is a simple thank you, express it, write it. But at some point, we got to get you beyond that where you begin to meditate enough where it becomes part of your DNA. You actually understand what people have done for you and you want to express your gratitude for that. You know what you need to do? You, you need to take your kid with you occasionally to the hospital. Show them. I, I don't know how many times with Ashley's Vince Hospital we've seen three and four-year-olds being treated for terminal cancer, stage four, stage five. You, your kids need to be introduced to some of this just so they say you have a healthy mind and a healthy, well, a half-healthy mind and a healthy body. You can run and you can jump, not very far, not very fast. But that's because of your last name, not because of any physical disabilities. I need some of you to smile because you're getting tense. You know what you're doing? You're doing, you've got to, you've got to as a parent say, I want to make sure that this child at 10 is still not in this spot in life. I want to make sure I am doing my... Matter of fact, if anything else, uh, Chris and Leah showed us a video, a link in this past week, and he's three months old, and they, they're holding his fingers, and he's standing up, and they're trying to get him to walk. And they're laughing, saying, we're going to get him ahead of all the rest of the little babies and teach him to walk by the time he's six months. Not happening. <laughs> but you know what would be good? What if your child was a little bit ahead in the game of gratitude? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice, Justin, if they were far enough ahead, it was visibly obvious 
to the rest. Instead of saying, how many of you have ever heard adults or teenagers or someone say, boy, what a group of ingrates. Boy, I can't believe not one of them said thank you. Wouldn't it be nice to say, uh, have someone come to you and say, your children are extremely grateful. Thank you for doing that. Doesn't happen by accident. Now, folks, we don't, we don't have to travel around the world, but there, there has to be a point, regrettably, this young man did not get it until he had wasted everything that was good in life. Now, look what it says. Verse 17, when he came to himself. Now, here's, here's the problem. When it says when he came to himself, that means there's cables that are obviously disconnected. All children are born with disconnected cables. You know what an education and parents are for? To connect disconnected cables. Our college students still have disconnected cables. Your pastor still has a few disconnected cables. Life tends to connect those over time. Now, wouldn't it be a whole lot better for parents to connect those cables than to have the mistakes of life help connect those cables? So he's at, where's he at? What is his spot? He's lost everything. He wasted his inheritance. And we talk about, oh, the amazing party and the reunion with his family. No one wants to preach on the day after when he wakes up, has nothing except a robe, a ring, and shoes because his inheritance is gone. His brother now owns the farm. Remember, there's two of them. His, his dad already divided the inheritance. That means everything that's left is owned by the elder brother, and he is not happy with you. So guess what he's doing? He's walking into the bunkhouse at 530 and say, hey, bro, time for you to get to work. You're on my property now. You're going to work like everyone else does. He didn't have to be in that spot. He put himself in that spot. But here's what happened. It was the bad decisions in life that finally woke it. And some of these young people are not going to be awakened until they are awakened by their own bad decisions. And they have to pay for what previously was given to them by birth, by their church, by their last name, by their parents, by God himself in his great mercy. And he wakes up and he says, boy, that was stupid. Everybody in my father's house. Now, hold on for a second. Mace, can I get you two to back up here? Sorry, Mace, you're just taller. I can't, I can't use Weston as a 20-year-old. So he left the house, red chair. This had been his spot. This has been his position. His whole life on the ranch. Always angry, always unthankful. I don't have it as good as anyone else. I've, I need to change the circumstances. I'm sick of this life. Now, while he's feeding swine, he wakes up in the red chair, and what happens? Finally, the cables are connected. He comes to himself, and he says, I actually had it pretty good. I actually had it better than I thought. Now, these are his exact words. Go with me to the next, the next verse. What's it say? When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? I will arise, go to my father, and say, I've sinned. Now, what is ingratitude? Until we recognize it as a sin, we can't proceed to maturity. Verse 19. Now, this is the key. 
and ingrate leaves, verse 12, saying, Father, give me, cables connected, verse 19, and he says, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now, you know what he just did? He hopped chairs. Now he's going home in a different spot. Now, most kids never reach this level. You guys can be seated. Parents, I've got a question for you. How many of you have ever heard these words? Sorry about that, Dad. I'm not even worthy to be called a delay. You ever heard those words? Are you, are you with me? Chris, have you ever heard your kids say, sorry, sorry about that, Dad. I'm, I am not even worthy of being called a green. Never heard those. Not Jeremy? Dad, I, I messed up. I, you should just rip Lewis right off my title. I'm not worthy of mom. I'm not worthy of dad. You know what true gratitude is? When you wake up and say, God, whatever you gave me, I'm not worthy because here's what life will do. I, I, good night. I'm a better Christian than he is, God. Why are you allowing me to deal with this? Why don't I make more money? Why don't I drive a nicer truck? Why don't I have a sweeter wife? Why don't I have better kids? Why is my health a disaster? You know what real gratitude is? You know when you move to the adult chair, when you say, I'm not even worthy to be on that plane. I don't even know why I've been picked for this conference. And if I don't make it to the meeting, God has bigger plans anyways. How, how was I even born in a generation that is worthy of flying around in airplanes because previous generations, if they had to travel, had to be in a car in previous generations on foot. So I'm pretty fortunate to be sitting here, AC, a promise to get out of town at some point today or tomorrow, drinking a coffee, very nice meal. Might cost me a few bucks, but at least I got the money to buy it. Oh, church, if, if, if we could get this, if we truly could get this. Because here's what we do. We point at the prodigal son as if this was actually strange behavior when it's not that strange or abnormal at all. It's actually rather common. Shouldn't we be bouncing off the walls with gratitude for all that God has given us? I mean, most here have won the genetic lottery. You, you landed in the right country, United States. You landed in the right state, Texas. Not California. Not Maryland. Amen. You landed in the right state. You landed in the right home. You landed in the right church. You landed in the right school. So what exactly, you have good health. What exactly are you complaining about? Let me ask you this. How many ever traveled to a foreign country? What was one of the first things that hit you? How can they have this little and be this happy? How can we have this much and be this unhappy? How is it that those kids with nothing can be in the right chair already advanced and yet my kids with everything in life just glue their seats to the red seat? We have raised, independent Baptist Christians have raised a generation of monsters because they're holding to their red chair. Maturity is saying, I am creating in my kids a philosophy where we meditate on the goodness of God and all the blessings that we have enjoyed. And I am in a race to get them here where instead of pushing them to say thank you, they're initiating heartfelt gratitude expressions of thankfulness that are mature beyond their years. 
where I don't have to order them to write a note or give a gift or provide a smile or find someone and let them know how thankful they are. They do that on their own because that red chair is only for a four-year-old or a five-year-old, but no six, eight, 10, or 12-year-old should ever be found on that chair. At some point, if you don't get them off that chair, you're going to be raising in God's house a hypocrite. And Capital City has raised them. And every church has raised them. And they'll sit and they'll smile and they'll go through the motions. But they are waiting for high school. And you think he's just happy to graduate. Oh, no. He is done with this scene because he's never found a reason to thank God for any of it. You raised a hypocrite running for the exit as soon as possible. Here's what we want to do, Cap City. Thankfulness is the solution to a lot of problems. We got to begin this journey when they're little and say, my goal is not to get you there or there. I want you in the big chair as soon as possible. And that happens when you truly meditate and everything you get in life, you get this suit and you say, okay, who worked for that? Who made it? Who bought it? Who pressed it? Who provided it? There's a lot to be thankful for.